Welcome to Enterprise Hardcore Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Lyons. On this episode, my guest is going to be Tony Tornaben out of Syracuse. Tony's played drums in a large amount of bands in Syracuse over the last 30 years, so we did our best to talk about as many of them as possible while keeping the conversation fresh. As always, you can find the podcast on Facebook and Instagram at Enterprise Hardcore Podcast, on Twitter at Podcast Hardcore. As always, I want to thank everybody who directly supports this podcast. There's two ways to do it. The Patreon is a monthly thing that you can subscribe for uh, as low as a dollar per month. And like I've been teasing for most of this year, I will have some really good incentives really soon. I'm still working out a couple little kinks, uh, but I have a new way of doing things. So I think that's going to make things a lot easier. Uh, And then then there's a GoFundMe, because like I've been saying for a couple months now, I'm trying to get some video production going on with the podcast and with some other stuff that I'm doing. So we launched a GoFundMe to try to uh, get some video equipment for that. Uh, there's a bunch of good local shows coming up. I'm not going to really highlight any on this episode, but you know, check out uh, the Instagrams, check out you know flyers on polls. You know, there's always stuff coming up in Rochester. Next episode, we'll have uh, a bunch of information on some shows. Uh, but yeah, this is a pre-recorded interview with Tony Toner Ben, aka Tony Bonejack, out of Syracuse. Uh, I knew Tony had played in a bunch of bands, but like I said in the interview, I didn't realize it was this many. Um, we did talk about all of them. We probably highlighted a few a little bit more than others. Um, but yeah, it's a good conversation. Tony played drums or still plays drums in, in Syracuse bands. So check out the conversation. And as always, thanks to everybody for listening. All right. So yeah, my guest on tonight's episode, or I guess today's episode, whenever you're listening, uh, is another Syracuse guest. Uh, like I was uh, joking with uh, Tom Cavanaugh, I'm preparing for this episode. I'm, I might have to change the name to this podcast pretty soon. I'm starting to interview so many Syracuse people. Um, but yeah, no, he's played drums in, in a lot of uh, bands. If you were in Syracuse at all from like 95 to uh, pretty much now even, you've probably uh, come across mo- one or more of his bands. Um, and like I was telling him before, some of them I'm not even familiar with. There's, there's, there's quite a few. I don't know if, if Mike Jeffers has played in more bands or not. I'll have to look into that uh, separately <laughs> afterwards. But uh, it's definitely uh, head-to-head from what I can see. So without further ado, yeah, we're going to be talking to uh, Tony Torneben. How's everything going for you today, man? Hey, good, good. Yeah, like I said, uh, I know when I when I got a hold of you before the interview, I was like, I know you've been in a few bands, but I didn't realize it was that many. Um, so uh, have you pretty much always played in bands like since you started, I guess, or...? I want to say that I have been consistently in bands probably since I was about maybe 17 or 18. Wow. Um, I played in a, you know, a high school band, you know, with some friends, just some cheesy rock band, you know what I mean? And honestly, it's, it's been, you know, there hasn't really been much of a gap between, you know, since then. So like, I guess before we jump into the bands, we'll talk about the upbringing a little bit. Like, were you like, do you come from a musical family at all? Or like, were you interested in playing music as a youth or? Yeah. So no, I don't come from, I don't come from a musical family. I'm, I'm the only one. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just my mom, my dad and my sister and I, but, um, you know, I, I got into the school band when I was in fourth grade, you know, how like everybody does, you know, uh, I played the clarinet and, uh, you know, but I, you know, I learned how to read music, you know what I mean? And then um, I picked up the drums when I was uh, 16, uh, between eighth grade and ninth grade. Um, you know, so kind of late, you know, for, for some people who've, you know, been playing their whole life, you know, but. Um, so, yeah, uh, I just, 
I just fell in love with it, you know? And then I guess like the whole chicken uh, before the egg or whatever question, like, were you already like into like hardcore and stuff like that when you started playing drums or? Um, so no, I wasn't. I, my senior year, I, I had a, I had a science class with this guy that um, he, he, we grew up in the same neighborhood. Um, you know, I, we knew each other, but we weren't really friends. And um, his name was Rob. And we sat next to each other and he was, you know, he, he was all like into the misfits, Danzig, Sam Hain, um, you know, all that stuff. And he was like, you should come with me to the lost horizon on Sunday. And I was like, you know, I, I, you know, I knew about the lost horizon, you know, and, um, I, I hadn't actually been there and I'm like, wow, what's up? He's like, Oh, it's a bunch of bands playing. So that was my first hardcore show was in the, I want to say the spring of 91. Um, I can't remember who played. Um, but that's what started it. That's what started it. It's crazy to think that your first show was at the Lost Horizon like over 30 years ago. And tonight, as we're recording this, I'm pretty sure Ring Room's playing there uh, at the Lost Horizon tonight. In Are they really? I did I'm not know that. Pretty sure, because a band that I booked here recently, Pure Bliss, I know they're playing with them tonight. I'm pretty sure it's in Syracuse, and I can't imagine you know, where else that, that show would be held a show like that. So, yeah. Um, well, were there, were there like, like early standout shows that kind of like attracted you more to like hardcore and punk and stuff like that or whatever, or like any like local bands. So, I mean, you, so you remember, um, uh, John McCaig used to, he was the one that was booked. He booked, he booked shows for a long time. Um, and it, the, he would probably have, I would say a Sunday matinee, like, maybe once or twice a month. And I just started just, you know what I mean? I just, I just started going to him and, you know, and it just, just getting more and more into it, you know, as the time went on, um, you know, eventually I started a band bone Jack, um, with Rob, the guy that I was sitting next to in science, science class. And he'll come up again a few more times in this, uh, thing, but, um, yeah. So, you know, we started a band. And that was, I want to say 92 probably is when Eric and I got together and started playing and then had, you know, added Rob as a singer. Yeah, I was going to say, I knew your nickname, like we were talking about before was Bone Jack, but that's a little bit before my time. But I always just kind of assumed there was a band called Bone Jack, but, but then you didn't include it in, in the list of, of uh, 55 bands that we're going to talk about tonight. So I, um, I was like, I didn't know if maybe it was, if, if it was a different nickname or if maybe that band just wasn't uh, something you wanted to. References? No, no. I mean, I just, um, I, it, because ultimately it became cross-section. Oh, okay. Um, you know, we bone Jack, you know, we had, you know, we had some different members. Um, we recorded, I want to say like maybe like a handful of demos, you know, um, we never actually had a release, um, that was, you know, that was put out or anything. And then, um, towards the end of when we were bone Jack, we, we got together with Jason and Pete. And that's when we changed the name to cross section and we added the, um, the second female vocalist. The first one was Jen. Um, and, uh, we were, you know, we recorded the, uh, again, we probably did like a demo or two or whatever. And then we recorded for the seven inch that we did on, um, significant records out of North Carolina. That was the abandoned seven inch that, you know, that really got the ball rolling. I mean, we really started playing a lot out of town. You know, um, you know, up and down the East Coast, a whole bunch of times and um, 
we went on a, in 95, I think it was, we went on a summer tour. Um, that was, that was a lot of fun. We went by ourselves, you know, we never had, uh, you know, we didn't have a band that, you know, to go with us or anything. And, um, then eventually we changed our names again. Uh, we Rob, we parted ways with Rob. And, uh, at that time, Ina, who she was the, the, the female vocalist, she just took over on vocals. And then that was when we were beta minus mechanic. That's, that's pretty much like when I first got into the scene, like I remember, I'm guessing that's like 96, 97, like, or maybe even a little bit before. Yeah. The, so that, that transition would have been probably around 96. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause I saw that name around a lot. I wasn't, I wasn't traveling to as many shows in Syracuse yet. Like I just put out an episode recently about the first Syracuse fest. And that was probably one of like three times I made it out to Syracuse, uh, in like 97, 98. Uh, uh-huh. but uh, I want to go back for a second, though. You you mentioned uh, like doing weekends and, and tours and stuff like that. And I just quickly kind of cheated it and Googled uh, the label that you referenced having put out your seven inch because I wasn't familiar with that. And uh-huh. it looks like Foundation from Rochester worked with them, too, at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys have an affiliation with them or any other Rochester? Band no, 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 no. Um, we never. Um, I don't even believe we ever. I don't even believe we ever played a show with those guys. Um, so I I had seen the band here in Syracuse, you know, and I mean, I saw him. Um, and, uh, what else did he do? Uh, he, he's done, you know, he did, he did some other stuff and I can't remember any of the bands that he did, but you know, he's got a pretty decent catalog, you know, like a whole bunch of different variety of bands. Um, as far as I know, I think he lives in Florida now. I don't know. I haven't talked to him in years. So. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the stuff that, like, any labels that were, like, smaller, like, like pre-Mayor, I'm, I'm sometimes I'm not as familiar with. Um, so that one, I, I I guess I should have heard of it because of Foundation, obviously, but that just mm-hmm. kind of blows up my spot a little bit there, I guess. Um, but I'm, I'm guessing the reaction in Syracuse is pretty good, and McKay was already helping you guys out with, like, some of the bigger shows, too, by that point? Yeah, too, yeah, we played, we played a lot of shows. We played a lot of, you know, we played a lot of good shows here we played a lot of good shows. I mean, you know, um, you know, both cross section and beta, obviously beta, like, you know what I mean? Like being on crisis, um, you know, it opened up some doors to play some, you know, some, uh, some, with some bigger bands and bigger venues and whatnot towards the end of, um, beta, you know, we got to do a three and a half week tour with hot water music. And this is at the point when they were really starting to get, they're really starting to get like, just blow up huge, you know? Um, it was like, you know, just your normal, you know, normal size, um, venues, they were selling them out. You know what I mean? Like you couldn't fit another person in there. That was awesome. And then we broke up after that. So, um, what was that band like more active with the touring front or was the three week tour, like the, the, like most of what you guys really did? No, we, so again, so beta kind of just took off, took over where cross section left off. You know what I mean? Just a lot of East coast stuff up and down to Florida and back out to the Midwest. Um, we did do a national tour by ourselves. Um, it was, we were out for like six weeks and, um, (laughs) man, that was, that was tough, you know? Um, because we're, there would be gaps, you know, four or five day gaps where we didn't have any shows. So 
we would just literally we we we'd play a show, and then we would just be like couch surfing, like like where we had just played until it was time to go to play the next show. You know, sometimes we'd have to leave a couple of days in advance because it took us that long to get to the next, you know, to the next city that we were playing in. That's really crazy with that touring because that's come up more than once. And like I I talk a lot on here about a tour that I helped put together with Hex uh, in like 2001 with Building on Fire and Stand Fast that like famously was very similar to that where it was like less than half the amount of shows and the amount of days they were on the road for it. And I've always assumed that we were the only ones that ever had that kind of luck where the tour was like, we, we could only fill in so many holes or whatever, you know, but I, I've heard so many more and more stories from doing this podcast, you know? Yeah. It's it. Yeah. That was, that was the hard part about it, you know, but at the same time, you know, it was, it was still fun. You know what I mean? You know, we, 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 you know, got to, got to see a lot of places, meet a lot of people, um, you know, went broke, but you know, back then, you know, who didn't, you know, doing that stuff. And crisis, that was the rev offshoot, right? Too that. That was uh yeah, that was, that's, was a, like a subsidiary that was, um, uh, on remember on the band unbroken. Yeah. Uh, the bass player, uh, Rob Moran was working for rev and they unearthed it. I want to say, I think originally they, he called about cross section and, um, you know, we, you know, we had, we were kind of like, Rob was already out of the band. So, you know, I said, well, this is still the same people, but it's just, just the female vocalist now, you know? So, yeah. So we ended up doing an EP and an LP with them. Yeah. Cause I remember that label from like count me out and a couple other bands that I like too. Like, so they definitely had like a, a, he, I mean, I guess he or they, however many people ran the label had a pretty good variety of, of bands. Cause I want to say shy Halud mm-hmm. before they, before they went to rev the indecision yep. split or maybe something else was on there. I remember too. So yeah. Shy Halud, um, it was part of that, like that, that revival it was like us, shy Halud, some other band called like, uh, it was like, um, it was, a, it was, it was a all female van, uh, band. What the hell is the name of that band? I don't know. Um, and, and, you know, maybe, maybe another couple bands, but yeah, then eventually Shy Halud, they, they ended up just going to Rev. Um, did you guys get like, like, like any, was there ever any, like, would Rev have like supported anything like that? Or is it more just like a, like a label ran by them type thing or whatever? I think that Rev was, was financing it. You know what I mean? Um, you know, they paid for the recordings and, and, and everything and distribution and all that. Um, I remember back then they sent us this, uh, this contract was about 30 pages. I don't even know. Maybe it was even more than that was this big, thick ass thing, you know, and all this legal terminology. I don't, I don't know what the hell any of this is saying. Any of this is talking about. We just signed it, (laughs) you know, (laughs) come to find out that we had signed out. We, we, we signed ourselves up for seven records. That's what we were contracted for. Seven records. Wow. I never yeah. Like those kind of labels signing artists for that many records back then. You know what I mean? It seemed like it was yeah. like two or three. Like I always kind of think- estimated how many, cause like some bands on victory would do those like live albums or whatever at the end. And I was like, Oh, so this must've been their contract or whatever, you know? And yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just kind of counted up back from there. And I always assumed it was that many for most labels or whatever. Seven seems a little ridiculous. Seven was it. So it was, it was seven and people were like, don't do it. Don't sign it. Don't do it. We did it anyway. Well, you never had to like give them like first rights or any kind of crap like that. Right. Any, any future bands or anything after that? Or? No, no. no. 
No, wow. like we we broke up and basically just just you know th- th- we just fell off the earth with them. You know. Yeah. They would send. I remember they would. I would get an invoice every now and then. I'd get an invoice in the mail for them, saying like uh, how much money how much money they lost basically. <laughs> I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know what you want me to do with this. Why are you sending me this? You know, yeah. tax purposes for them or whatever, I guess. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, Some of these bands, it seems like you would have been playing in them at the same time too, right? Or no, like around this era. Cause like farthest man, another victim or was there, or, or was it like one after the other type thing? Yeah, no, they were in succession. So after beta broke up, Eric and I um, got into uh, the farthest man with, you know, Shane Durge. Say it again. Shane Durge. I don't think so. No, he was in like um uh he was in some old Syracuse bands like Oversight, uh Gatekeeper, um uh what else? Um Samsara, uh, you know. Um, and I actually ended up, we'll talk about later. I had played in I played in another band with him, but yeah, so he was he was singing and uh uh, Brian and Chuck, who actually uh, ended up going on to play in God Below after the Farthest Man split up, and yeah, we, we that was. I, I want to say we were. I want to say that band was probably only together for maybe a year and a half or two years, um, because eventually Eric Eric left to play in Earth Crisis, and I went to play in Another Victim. Yeah, because that split uh, with Eternal Youth came out like long after you guys had broken up, right? Or uh i think so yeah yeah because i well you mentioned those guys going on to goblo too i always kind of wonder like how brendan because wasn't brendan involved with that release too or no with uh nothing but enemies i feel like he put that out on on his label or whatever um no or was uh-huh. that andrew alone um as far as i know the only release by this man songs are the eternal use split yeah and then that syracuse comp that guab did oh, okay i could be wrong you know I, what think I, mean? I always just—I think I always just got that Eternal Youth Farthest Man split mixed up, like who put it out or whatever. Because I feel like when I was talking to Ranger about it too, he said that like somebody else had put it out, and I—I I think I always yeah. just assumed for some reason that Brendan had. I don't know why. But... <laughs> I don't even have a copy of it. No. No. Um. Do you do you do you keep like stuff like that, like like stuff from like other bands or like like recordings and like like I like wish archival shit. No. I wish I I yeah I don't um so. And one of the 10,000 moves that I've, that I've had in the last however many years, um, you know, I, I had like all, I had the whole bunch of, you know, I had CDs, I had boxes and boxes of CDs and I lost them. I lost them all. And a lot of the stuff that, you know, I did was on those CDs, you know? Um, so that's, you know, that's what bummed me out the most because a lot of the stuff, like I can just, you know, like Apple music or Spotify, I could just stream it, you know, but that stuff, the, the stuff that was like, you know, the more indie stuff and like other stuff that I did is all gone and there's, there's no getting it back. So. Yeah. That's a bummer. That happened to me too, though. I moved like probably not probably about, I mean, you know, 10 or 15 times at least in different apartments, like in my twenties and thirties. And at one point I was looking for certain boxes and stuff. And I was like, I don't, I don't know where this shit ended up. You know what I mean? Like, I, I really literally have no idea. Another victim's probably the band that I, I, out of all of them, I'm, I'm most familiar with. And I think the listeners probably are too. Like, did you join that band like in the beginning or did you join it when they were already like 
like kind of going or whatever or like oh yeah no they had already had so they had already released the um the ep on uh, equal vision so they had so they had an ep with stillborn which was jamie Haybreed's label and then they did then they they got picked up by equal vision um and they had released that and then their drummer quit you know eric was you know eric was getting ready to go play with earth crisis and i was just like well i don't know i don't really want to do this band without him you know so um that's and then you know av needed a drummer so you know i ended up getting talking to jd and busky and and that's when it started uh, that's that's kind of a bummer because i wanted to ask you about the drumming on the evr ep too uh that's some of the, like, the most interesting uh like original drumming i've ever heard and i always like the i don't know if you call it like tribal drumming or whatever like i think it's during like the second or third song like there's just like i've never heard like hardcore bands do stuff like that before so i've always been curious to see like how that all came about or whatever you know yeah that's or, what he was going for i think i posted I think it somewhere at some point and i think jim winters who helped him record it he was like that was a real bitch to record and like so I, I would love to hear more of like how that all went down and everything you know what i mean like the process and everything so yeah no i don't know i wasn't yeah that wasn't that was that wasn't me i you know when i got into the band and i was learning the songs i said i go i don't know if you guys want me to learn all that wacky stuff but i you know what i mean i don't have you know i didn't have the equipment and i'm gonna be completely honest with you i didn't have the i didn't, just didn't have the drive either to try and learn all that you know I mean, I don't even know what they were using. That's why I just, I mean, I'm not a musician at all, but it's just, I'm just curious about the whole thing. I plan on interviewing Busky eventually. So I'll see what, you know, what he remembers about it, obviously. Cause yeah, I'm sure he had a hand in it. So yeah. But what well, were you, I mean, you had been playing some pretty cool and, and wild shows with them by the time you joined them then. Right. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. We did some great, we did some great tours, you know, toured earth crisis, VOD, um, turmoil, one King down, you know, play a lot of great shows. I mean, we played Haybreed, you know, we played, what's the name of that venue? I think it's the Palladium in Worcester in Massachusetts. We played there once with Haybreed. Oh, oh my God, dude, it was just, you want to talk about a spectacle. You know what I mean? There were like over a thousand people there and it was just, it was nuts. Um, you know, we played uh, with Earth Crisis and VOD in New York City um, at a place called Tramps. It's not there anymore. Um, and again, there was just like, you know, probably over a thousand people people from all over the world and stuff it was just so awesome it was so cool I, i've i've definitely seen flyers for that tramps place and I've, I've i don't think i've ever actually been to a palladium show i've only been to a couple of shows in massachusetts but i can't imagine like just seeing hate breed like buffalo and syracuse back then i can't imagine seeing them at like a really big show like that you know what i mean like, yeah and yeah. that's their wheel you know that's their wheelhouse too you know what i mean because they're only from connecticut you know what i mean so mass isn't that far so yeah. you know that was kind of right in their right in their area yeah, I haven't seen them in recent years. It seems a little different now because he's more of like a, like a MC type, uh, uh, you know, like getting the crowd hyped up or whatever. But back yeah. then, it was just nothing like that, you know. Yeah. Um. Uh, did you guys ever tour like Europe or anything? Another victim? No. 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 So that's uh, that would be my second opportunity to tour Europe, but the band broke up before we actually had the chance to. Um, because Beta had a chance to go to Europe with Hot Water Music again and Jimmy World. And um, we we were, you know, when we came back from the Hot Water Music tour, it's like, you know, we agreed to do the tour. We said, when we come back, we're done. Brent, Eric and I wanted to just concentrate on the farthest man. And we didn't, you know, there were some personal things going on. I'm not going to lie. You know what I mean? You know, we, 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 we weren't getting along all that well. Um, 
And so at the end of the hot water tour, they were like, yeah, like, you know, we'd love to take you guys to Europe and Jimmy world is coming. And we're like, uh, and uh, we just, we said, uh, Eric and I were like, you guys can do what you want, but we're not, you know. I know, didn't, I know Jimmy Eat World didn't like really, really blow up till like 2001, but I imagine that still would have been pretty, uh, pretty nuts. Or yeah. 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 And I, I, I don't remember AV like, um, yeah, I mean, we, we, we had, we had the opportunity, but then, you know, we split up, um, you know, before anything came to, came to fruition. Wasn't there like, I don't know if it was more recently, but wasn't there like a bunch of another victim reunion shows or like, it always seemed like they were going to like going to play again or whatever type thing. Like 2000. Yeah, they did. Yeah. They, they, they did a couple, they, they played. So they got with, um, they got with Derek who ended up, you know, who they ended up doing the promise with, you know? Um, and I want to say, you know, they did a couple, I think, I think they even went to Japan. I think some, I saw something like that. Yeah. Some version of them went to went to Japan, I think, and did some shows. And then obviously I've had it's crazy. You're gonna be the third third person from Darker Day tomorrow. And I think I'm gonna uh fill up the whole funeral pretty soon, too, which we'll talk about in a little bit too, because I've gotten a hold of of Andy Andy Williams recently, too. So oh, okay. But did Darker Day, did you guys start Darker Day tomorrow? Like not long after another victim broke up then, or it would have probably would have been so there that was probably between AV and darker day tomorrow was probably the longest gap for me of not really being in a functioning band. I was jamming with people. Um, Tom and I were, we were, you know, we were trying to get something together um, with, with a couple different people. Uh, you know, not, nothing was really, nothing was, you know, nothing was really coming or you know, was coming up, coming about, you know, and then we then we asked, um, you know, tr- uh, Tom had played with Travis in Herman DeKalb. And so Tom was like, well, why don't we, you know, why don't we ask Travis? And that was it. That was the spark right there. You know what I mean? It was, you know, getting together with him. And then, um, you know, was really when we uh, really started writing stuff and, and, and you know, getting uh, getting that band together. We had a different bass player, though, to start with. It wasn't Andy. It was this guy named Jeremy. So he played bass on uh, that first EP that we did that uh, Andy Bowman put out. You know, I always I, I glossed over that when I mentioned interviewing all the guys from the funeral. I always forget that he was in Darker Day Tomorrow with you guys, too, because I think Tom brought it up when I talked. One of those guys, Tom or Travis, brought it up. Was there an intent to, like, try to start touring and stuff like because you had already done stuff with another victim? Like, like, kind of. I guess, like, what were your plans like, like as a musician at that point? Like, were you yeah. trying to do like, like, you know I- what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I was, I was still at that point. I was still at that point in my life where I was like, you know, I still want to do this. I still want to try to get into, you know, I want to tour a lot and, 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 you know, play as much as I can and do as much with this band as we can, you know, you know, it's, it's tough because as you know, it was just getting a little older, you know, we did uh, see, we toured with Sparklights to Friction. I think maybe that's the only tour that we did. One thing I guess I probably should have asked you earlier. I mean, well, I mean, one thing that's pretty clear just from looking at all the bands is a lot of them like sonically are different. So like one question I could ask, like, cause I don't interview a lot of drummers. It's like, would you have been influenced by other drummers? But like, it's kind of all across the board, like a lot of the styles and stuff, you know what I mean? So yeah. Were you taking things from like different, like people or just kind of creating your own style? Or? I was just, yeah. I mean, you know, so it's funny when I, when I, when I play in a band, the stuff that I listen to, is reminiscent of what I'm playing. So 
if I'm in, you know, um, like when I was in beta, I was listening to, you know, uh, a lot of indie rock stuff, you know what I mean? And, um, post-hardcore stuff and the same thing, like when I was in farthest man and then, you know, and AV, you know what I mean? I started listening to heavier stuff, you know, and a lot of metal and a lot of heavy, you know, like the, the faster, heavier, hardcore stuff, you know? Um, so yeah, it, it just, it, it's, I, I just kind of immersed myself in whatever style it was that I was playing. Some, some, I don't know, I guess sometimes what I was doing, did it translate? I, I don't know, you know, or, but yeah, no, just cause like I said, looking at all the bands when I was prepping for the interview, I, I like, I, again, I never realized you're in so many bands, but like, aside from these few that we're talking about now in the middle, like a lot of them, like, are, are like kind of all, all over the place with the, with the sound, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. it's cool that you never had to like kind of pigeon, pigeonhole yourself into one sound. You know what I mean? You're always able to kind of do different things. Um, but, but I know, so yeah, you said darker day. And I know I've talked about the other guys that Andrew released the alone stuff. Um, what was the other label red star that you guys did stuff with mm -hmm. too? yeah so red star did the full length did the first full length they're out of canada um up in uh hamilton um and because of that you know we played we played in canada a lot um you know we made some good friends up there we played some really good shows um at uh it's, it's funny because today somebody um posted up a, a live set that we did at um at a place in Montreal, um, like one of the, like one of the bigger venues there, you know, it was, it was a big show. Um, and you can ask me, Oh, who the hell played that show? Was it Martyr AD was one of the bands. Um, I don't, I can't, my memory's not so good. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Remembering exact details, like Travis is definitely a lot better at it than I am, but somebody posted up a live set of that, uh, of that show. So we played in Canada a lot then after, well, yeah. So we did that one release with Red Star and then Life Force Records in Belgium uh, wanted to, you know, do something. So we did a, I think a five or a six song EP with them and then we split up. So no Europe, uh, no Europe tour on the, I, on the Europe I, I, Yeah. So again, another opportunity that, yeah. that, that got passed up. Yeah. Cause again, going back to Jeffers, I know Herod ended up making it over to Europe when they were on life force and it seemed like the European labels and people were pretty crazy with supporting like the bands and stuff. You know what I mean? I, I always envied anybody who ever got to do any of that kind of stuff. Cause I've never been there before. Um, Neither have I. Did you stay in darker day tomorrow for the whole, uh, the whole duration of the band or whatever? Or? Yeah. 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 Yep. Um, Tom and I start, Tom and I started it and Tom left to, uh, to uh plan sauna uh sangre and uh then we got mike lazor and uh he's the one he's the he's the one the guitar player that we recorded the last dp on life force with in fact tom didn't play on the um the red star release either i think he'd already left the band and uh travis just played everything played all the well played all the guitars yeah tom referenced that and when i interviewed him he said he, he like he had like wasn't able to do it or whatever like just couldn't like do the recording or, or like you know what i mean just didn't i can't do it type thing or whatever you know yeah i've had a few of those moments with doing this podcast so i can huh. uh, i can relate i guess um was there like a last uh i don't feel like i've never asked those guys was there like a last darker day show or anything like that or did it just kind of fade out um yeah i want to i 
so I don't remember what the last show that we played was. Um, but yeah, it just kind of, so again, now things are transitioning. So now Travis and Andy and I are, um, we're already starting up with the funeral. Um, you know, we got with, uh, Grant and, you know, we started to, you know, practice and, and write songs and stuff. And, um, John, uh, John Peters, who was the bass player for spark. Um, also, if you remember, he was also, he sang for one King down mm-hmm. on that God loves man kills record. Um, he was, he was the singer, the original singer for the funeral. He played, we played one show with him and he was, you know, he was, he couldn't do it. Um, I don't know if, if he couldn't, or he just didn't want to or whatever, but then that's when we come up with hacks. Now I want to ask, because like I said, I've already interviewed Grant and uh, Travis and come to think of it, hacks, but he's not a part of this question. Grant and Travis kind of told me that when you guys were getting ready to start this band, you kind of went to them and like told them exactly what they wanted to hear. Like, I want to start a band that sounds like this. And like, you told them both something kind of different or whatever to by the sounds of it. And they both were like, Oh, awesome. And then they came and I mean, the funeral was awesome, but like, do you remember something like that or? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you remember, uh, it was a, it, there was a band from, I want to say like the Toronto area called left for dead. Do you ever hear of them? Oh yeah, I saw it's a swarm, but I never saw Left 4 Dead. But yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so all right, so it's Left Left 4 Dead was a little more, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to say sloppy, like um, just more raw or whatever. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was, and, and you know, and and the and the swarm too. And I was like, I want to, st- I want to try to do something like this. You know, and all those guys, especially Grant, was super into, you know, like Left for Dead and, and, and the Swarm. So that's how the funeral, that's that's how we that's how we started out. That, that I mean, obviously, I have a connection because I booked you guys a bunch. And I've like I said, I've interviewed a bunch of the guys on the, on the, from the band. But that's um, I feel like I feel like out of all your bands, maybe aside from Beta Minus, it seems like you probably would have done the most touring with the funeral, though, right? Like up to this point you know i don't we the funeral didn't actually do like a full-on tour we did like weekends and stuff you know or four-day weekends and stuff like that you know again remember you know we're we're me starting to get a little older i was also you know um you know uh i was with um the i the one the the one that that i ended up marrying which we've since now divorced but um you know, I was with her and, and I, you know, I, I was getting into a new career and stuff like that. So, you know, just dropping and leaving everything to go on tour. Wasn't really, it wasn't an option anymore, really, you know? Yeah. I can relate to that. Like, I, I mean, I've never played in bands, but I know once you start to get a little, a little older, it's hard to, I, I mean, I've talked to a lot of bands on here too. I mean, I actually just interviewed Andy from 12 tribes last night and he was talking about like, the same thing like finally having to stop because you're you know making like a 100 bucks a show and it's like i got like so many bills you know back mm-hmm. home you know i can't i can't imagine doing that now at all you know no, no um yeah i guess i always equate all the weekends you guys did with like heavy touring for some reason because it seemed like you guys were always like playing shows and stuff you know what i mean like well, well you remember i mean we played rochester a million times like you said i mean you booked you know you know you booked some of the shows like we played there a lot it was like our second home. It was a lot of fun, though, you know, with playing with like all those Rochester bands. Yeah, definitely. And now looking at this whole list, like it seems like 
all your bands were always pretty well received locally too, right? In Syracuse too, or? Um, you know, yeah, some of them were, some not so much, you know. Well, I guess one thing I could ask you about too, before we jump into uh, the later bands is uh, I'm doing these Hellfest series, obviously. So uh-huh. do you have any uh, uh, interesting or funny memories or anecdotes from any of the, the Hellfest years? So um, I played the uh, beta played like it was the Syracuse Fest before it was Hellfest. And we, we played, it was at Hungry Chalks. Beta played the first one, maybe. Um, and I, or one of them. And then uh, I was in, uh, oh, another victim. The last show that they did with me was also at like, was Syracuse Fest. You know, that was at the Lost Horizon. Um, and then darker day tomorrow played Hellfest. The one, um, I think it was the, was it the first one at the skate park? 2001. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Wh- wh- whatever it was. Um, and then, you know, that, you know, that, you know, that's it. The funeral was supposed to play, um, the one at the fairgrounds. Uh, well, that's a, that's a whole, that's a whole different, that's a whole interview in itself right there. Yeah. Travis told so that. Him. I think Travis told you a bridge version of that story or whatever, pretty much. Yeah, so that, uh, that, that didn't happen It all. Yeah. It all comes down to, um, it all comes down to account- accountability and being responsible for the words you say and the actions that you take, you know, both sides learned a lesson. Let's yeah. put it that, let's put it that way. Uh, I guess there's a funeral kind of, kind of, uh, did my way come soon after, or was there a break in between with those bands too? Uh, yeah, again, there was, there was a short transition. So, um, funeral, the funeral played our last show. Uh, what was it? Uh, it was at the skate park. It or the, not the, I don't want to say skate park. What the hell was that place called? Well, the, the skating, uh, uh, dancing skate or whatever the hell it was. We, uh, we used to call it, we used to call it stab and skate because like uh, Friday nights, I always used to have all, all kinds of fights and stuff out there. Um, so we played that show because Grant was moving to California. Well, so cool. that's, that's when the funeral came to an end. And then there was a little bit of time, you know, I, you know, I, I, I was just, you know, kept talking to Travis about trying to do something new. And that's when uh, actually, was it my way? Uh, I think prisoner, it was prisoner first. Um, we did with uh, this guy Tom played bass and Chuck Hickey was sang. And if you ask me where there is a recording of that, I can't. I couldn't tell you. There is somewhere I know was we did record. Yeah, I was gonna say my time around because uh, I was traveling and kind of trying to do more of like uh, become an adult in these years. So my time around some of these bands is probably more sporadic. So these are probably bands you'll have to fill me in on more too i know i talked to uh travis about my way at one point but um so were all these bands more like short-lived or yeah so the uh prisoner ended up being um we ended up changing me travis and tom uh ended up getting with uh well first the the first singer was uh, a guy named brian and um and we recorded like a demo with him and then uh dan uh uh, Dan Kay, who also plays bass in uh, Black SS, he was the singer for on that second recording um, that you know that we did, and we added second guitar player. Uh, his name is Mike. 
and then and then uh so are you doing like any like weekends or any stuff like this with these bands or is it mostly just like local like yeah mostly just yeah prob- we probably played rochester i want or did we play rochester no we played in us we go I feel like my way um, might have played here because I feel like I saw that name on a flyer here once. But yeah, I think my way might have played in Rochester. Um, you know, just regional stuff. You know, that again, that that was kind of short lived. That probably only lasted a, maybe a year or two. And you and like you said, there's not really too many recordings of these bands floating around or anything. No, no. So um, I think it's uh, Mike, the other the, the the other guitar player on Earth. He had a copy of the of the my one of the my way demo that we did with dan singing um he posted it up on his on his on his facebook page and travis and i were both like we jumped right on it because i hadn't heard it in years you know and we played our asses off on, on well i mean travis and i i mean all the bands that we did we played our asses off on everything you know we worked hard and i guess kind of going back to playing with like a lot of the same people theme uh had you and Grant talked about doing more bands again uh, uh, before Night Owls, or did that just kind of like you guys just ended up? It just kind of so um, I ended up I end after after my way. I think I ended up like do I I filled in a little bit with um, with Freya, you know, with Carl and Eric and Ian, and um, you know that, that ended up you know that I ended up you know walking away from that and. Uh, you know, I got to talking to, um, you know, about to Grant about doing something, you know, and uh, so we and he had already, I guess, you know, spoken with uh, John, John Davis, the other guitar player. So, you know, we started jamming the three of us and then, you know, John 25. Right. Yeah. So he was the, he was the original bass player before Rachel. Again, again, mostly like regional, regional stuff with that band, too. Right. Or was there was there more out of town stuff again? We branched out a little bit. Um, I think, you know, um, I remember the last show that we played was in New York city. Um, with, uh, we did, uh, we played with, um, was it, well, I think I can't, I can't remember if it was, uh, bad cops, maybe you were, you, you, you ever hear, did like grand ever talk to you about, about, about those guys? Like Jim, you know, Jim Haffernan. Yeah. Yeah, Jim Haffernan and and uh, John Peters, and I forget the drummer's name. I want to say I, I I think we played I think we played with them. We, we played with them, a, you know, a few times. Oh, maybe it wasn't Bad Cops. Uh, Ray Jusants. That's I think that's the uh, the band I'm thinking of with Jim Haffernan. Anyways, we played in New York. It was our last show. That's crazy to play a last show in New York. Uh, yeah, like Syracuse or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, so we did. So we did do. We did do a, a one-off. Um, however, many years later at the Westcott Community Center, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, the funeral did a one-off too. At the Westcott. Mm-hmm. I feel like one of them might have. What, what year was that? that was, what, what, somebody come back and Hex came back in town or something? Or? Yeah, I don't. No, I don't even know if Hex had moved yet. I think. Oh, I, I think he was. There? He was still living here. Um. I know Andy had to come back because Andy was already living in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I mean, obviously it was after Grant had come back from California. Ever, ever get the itch to revisit any of these songs or anything, or like to play them behind the kid again or anything? Like, yeah, you know, sometimes, yeah. you know, when I listen to it, you know, I had a lot, you know, I, 
I had a lot of fun in, in all of those bands, you know, and, um, you know, some of them, I, I, I wouldn't mind, you know, playing those songs again. I don't know if I've got the chops to play some of them, you know what I mean? <laughs> that, especially some of that funeral stuff. Yeah. Um, you referenced the Freya thing too. I forgot to ask you about that. Was that, that was like a, just a short thing with you filling in for those guys? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a short thing. Um, Corey, uh, Corey had left the band, the drummer and, um, you know, just being good friends with Eric and Ian, you know, they asked me to, you know, they asked me to do it. And, you know, it was just, um, I think that, I think that they were looking for a little bit more of a, a technical, um, kind of like a straight metal guy. You know what I mean? I, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I wasn't good enough. Um, I think they just, they were looking for something. They were looking for something different, you know? So parted ways amicably, obviously, you know, like I said, I mean, I've been friends, I've been from friends with Eric and Ian for, you know, 30 years. So, uh, before we get to the, the band you're currently a part of, which kind of surprised me because that's like one of the first bands I ever heard of, like with underground local music. Um, there's another band. I'm not, I'm, I'm a rust empire. I, I guess I never heard of that band either. Like how long ago was that? Yeah. So that came after night owls. You know, uh, I, Shane, the guy that I mentioned before that was a singer in The Farthest Man, um, we got, it. I'm thinking that I, uh, I ended up contacting um, uh, the bass player Rick and, and uh, Chuck Hickey was now, now, now was playing guitar. And so I was like, well, let's, you know, let's, let's try to do something like, you know, kind of you know, post-hardcore kind of quick Sandy like type thing, you know, and then Mike, the other guitar player, we ended up, you know, we ended up getting hooked up with him and, and then, you know, we started jamming. We, our practice room was like, so Rick had this, um, this tiny, like a closet room in this old ass building, which I actually rehearse in now, but it's all renovated, you know, but at the time it was like, it was just this old brick building it was like, a, it was, an, it was an old nuclear fallout shelter, like in this tiny ass little closet. And that's where we, that's where rest empire jam. Um, I, think, I think about those fallout shelter signs now. Sometimes I wonder if kids really wouldn't, wouldn't even know what that is. Like if, if they, cause maybe they know what it from like Marvel movies or something. I feel like it's in those maybe, but other than that, like, you know, sorry, sorry to uh, make you lose your train of thought there or whatever. But. No, I'm sorry. I'm, I mean, there used to be these old, there were these like 50 gallon um, barrels of water, like military, like all of this, like just weird stuff in the basement of this building and with the, with the nuclear fallout signs all around. And now it's completely renovated. And the room that we rehearse in now is in the bottom floor of this building, like where we were walking around rummaging through, but it's all like, you know, all nice rooms, uh, you know heat in the winter time which is huge obviously you know knowing the area that we live in and uh you know it's nice and cool down there in the summer and it's yeah really nice really nice place to rehearse was um uh did, was anything noteworthy with rust empire though like shows or, or like uh recordings or anything or was that we, again you know so we did like we we you know we just did a lot of regional stuff um i can't i don't know if we ever made it out to rochester uh or not i don't really remember you know what i mean we, you know we played locally and stuff um we did a ep with oh boy 
I don't remember. It's a South American label. Um, if you were to, if you were to Google it, it would probably come up. The EP would probably come up. Um, but that's the only release, you know, aside from some demos and stuff, that's the only release we had. We were only together for a few years, you know. They didn't try to offer you guys to come down to like Peru or. No, they did. Did they? Yeah, well, they, they said, yeah, they were from Brazil. Okay. Were they from or Argentina? I don't know. They're South America. And they were like, yeah, they, they, they wanted us to come down. That's another one of those situations where like, you know, we put this release out and then break up like right after it comes out. <laughs> labels love that yeah. you know <laughs> yeah when i had my label like 20 years ago i think i had like two bands that that happened with they either broke up or like basically stopped playing shows like when the release came out it was like okay you know but like now i mean now with the way vinyl takes like two years to come out from the recording time to when it's pressed i could see more a band having been broken up <laughs> or whatever you know so expensive man it's yeah. so expensive yeah, somebody was telling me it was like, or I heard on a podcast, I think they were saying it was like some crazy number, like eight, seven or eight dollars per unit to make a seven inch. And I was like, is that like, that's so, that's so insane. I can't even imagine like, you know, I've mentioned on here that I'm going to kind of do my label again, but I don't know if seven inches are going to be part of the, uh, you know, future plans right now or anything. We'll see. Nah. Well, you know, I mean, vinyl's a, it's vinyl's a hot commodity for for music nerds like us, man. You know what I mean? Like, it's just it's it's you know when you're you know when you're you're collecting things, you know, especially like a band that you're super into. Like, man, I would love that release on vinyl. I might have I might not have a way that way to play it, but I just want to have it in my hands. You know, like that's just that's just the way we are, man. That's the way we're wired. Yeah, now with the crazy different uh, variants or whatever, too, it's like eight different colors per release. You know, it's crazy. I mean, the seven inch thing, going back to that, I guess, like, it is kind of like the staple of hardcore, too. So I guess it would be kind of weird to for me to try and do some releases and not do a couple seven inches. Now I think about it, you know, because, yeah. you know, like, I, I think of anything like back to the era of like mid to late 90s and early 2000s, like any band that I got into for the most part was off of a seven inch. You know what I mean? Used mm -hmm. times out of 10. You know, um, but yeah, when I got into like local and underground music in the mid nineties, uh, there was a couple different like resources to like find out about bands and stuff. And obviously a yeah. name like the flashing astonisher is like, you're going to, you know, remember that name or whatever. And, and when he told me you were playing with those guys now, I was like, that's so crazy. Cause I only recently realized that they were like still a band now, like, cause they've have, that has to have been over 30 years for them now. Right. Or at least close to it. 20 something. So they were, they, they broke up for a while. Okay. They broke up for a while, and then um, towards the end of Rust Empire, um, they started they started just kind of getting back together and just playing a show a show here a show there. And um, I knew Dan, um, I knew Dan, the guitar player from you know a long time ago. We went to OCC together, and I was like, well, kind of looking, to, I'm getting the itch to do something different here. You know what I mean? So I I sent him a message. I was like, hey, you want to you want to get together and jam? He's like, well what do you think about playing in the flashing astonishers? Cause Bob doesn't want Bob, the drummer. He didn't, he was okay with doing the show here and there, but he didn't really want to do the band. So they were looking for somebody to like actually start the band up with again. That was, or is this 22, 2022 was about eight, probably eight years ago. Now I think I've been in this band for about eight years. Wow. Now I guess random question that never really occurred to me, but like, were those guys into it or like affiliated with like hardcore at all ever? Like, like being from Syracuse and stuff or, or not so much. 
uh, probably that's, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that they, they may have, you know, I'm, they were familiar with it, I'm sure. Yeah. And they probably were friends with people, yeah. you know, um, you know, and they are friends with people, you know, that were, you know, that were hardcore kids are going to hardcore shows. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, th- we have a lot of the same friends, like people that I knew from hardcore shows are friends yeah. with these guys as well, you know? Yeah. So, you know, Syracuse is not a big place. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty well, you know, hardcore. Yeah. You know, or at least it was. I mean, I think it still is, but it definitely was like in the 90s, you know, it was like one of the it's, it's weird for being a small city and being like to me, like one of the capitals of hardcore in the U.S. at the time. Like I could think of like maybe 10 cities at most that were like that well known for hardcore at that point in time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, dude, I'm telling you, those 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 Sunday matinees that McKegg used to do, it didn't matter who was playing. Um, there was always three, 400 people at every one, you know what I mean? And if there was one where there wasn't that many people, you're like, wow, what the hell is going on? Why is nobody here? You know, like it was, it was, it was, it was just a shock that there weren't, the, that the club wasn't packed. You know, and then again, and then some of them were just like you couldn't you couldn't fit another person in there. There were so many people there. The the festivals were fun there, and I only made it to one or two of these. But the New Year's Day shows were were the ones that I went to are really fun too, and those were huge too. Um, I mean, I went to ones a little bit later on, like ninety nine, I think ninety nine and two thousand, maybe, and then and then whatever year Terror and the Promise played too. I, I was like, a, I think the Funeral played that one too, right? Two thousand three, probably, yeah. Think so. I'm not positive, but I feel like you guys did. It sounds there, like it. There was like a million bands on that show too, um, but those were always fun. Those New Year's Day shows because it was like a whole day of of good hardcore. You know, couldn't couldn't really uh, <laughs> beat that. You know, um, but I guess we kind of flew through the bands. Um, any any other like anecdotes or Syracuse memories or or road stories that you want to uh, put on on this? Uh, interview i guess it's 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 funny because we were when we were or when we were talking about how many times like darker day tomorrow played in canada um it was it was i don't even know well i don't know now because i mean i don't i'm not i haven't been played i haven't played in a band that has gone played in canada um but getting over the border was tough because you couldn't you couldn't just roll up it with uh, you know, a, a van full of gear and a bunch of stank dudes in the back, you know what I mean? Like, and they don't, they don't, you know what I mean? They, they did not like that. And I, and it was all about something about taxing or, or something. Cause if you're going to go over there and make money, it was a huge issue. You know, you had to have paperwork for all of that. Well, I mean, you got just some, you know, you're just playing some DIY show, you know, for, you know, for a, you know, a, a guy like you and I, you know, booking a show, he doesn't have all that paperwork. He doesn't have the ambition to get all that paperwork and stuff like that. So we had to find ways of getting in, you know? So we used to, uh, darker day tomorrow, what we used to do is we would cross over at, um, Niagara falls. Um, and we would, two of us would stay in the van and everybody else would get out and then walk across the border. You know, yeah, you can walk walk across. Well, just picture the Rainbow Bridge at Niagara Falls in January. You know what I mean? It's like it's it's like it's like the Arctic Circle. The wind is blowing across the bridge. The 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 the, the mist from the falls and, and we would so 
I don't know how I always ended up being the one in the van because I guess I just, I don't know, I guess I just used my power of persuasion or I was just a dickhead and like nobody wanted to fight with me about it. But I'd be sitting there in the driver's seat of the van and I'd look over to the left and I'd see those guys walking across the bridge and they're just shaking, you know what I mean? Because nobody ever like wore like the, the right clothes, you know, for the weather. So that was just, that's just a funny memory about about that van. That's something I didn't I didn't hear from any of those guys. And that's really funny. Uh, that's another thing going back to my last episode that I'll ever before this. Andy from 12 Tribes was talking about, you know, all the times they had to cross the border. And, and I think he said they had Andy Williams. Not in, that's I always have to. Uh, you know, uh, make it known, not Andy Williams from Syracuse, but Andy Williams from Buffalo, just to not yeah. create any confusion. It'll really create confusion when I have him on the podcast later. But anyways, he said they would always have Andy Williams from Buffalo on standby just in case, like to call him and be like, oh, we're doing this or that, or have somebody like, you know, and I remember when I put a record out for a band from Ottawa called Miles Between Us that they oh, would yeah. just, they would just call like they would just have my number and be like, when, if the border patrol calls, just say you own a studio and we're recording with you. And in retrospect, like, Imagine if I would have gotten that fucking phone call and the, 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 the border patrol just happens to know anything about recording. And he's like, Oh, so what are you mixing this with today? Or what are you? And I would be like, click, you know, like, I don't I, like, we never thought any of that kind of stuff out. And I wonder if any other bands did, you know what I mean? Like all you did was you had somebody on standby, but like, did like, was anything planned out? Like what you guys did makes way more sense. Like just like, I mean, again, I wouldn't want to walk across the arc yeah. thing or whatever either, but. That's... But we did, we did have those type of backup plans. Like you're talking about, we would yeah. like, when, so when we, when, when Darker Day Tomorrow was on Red Star, we would, we, the, the plan was to have them, if they were going to call, to call one of them, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, but we just somehow just managed to sneak over like we did. We played there a lot, man. Like we played yeah. in Canada a lot. I've interviewed a few people who play in like current hardcore bands, but I've never thought to ask about that, about the border situation. I'm definitely going to put it down in my notes for whoever I'm going to interview next that plays in like, like more recent bands that have had to cross or whatever. Cause I, I, you can't get away with anything now. Like they'd be able to easily Google like even your name and probably see that you play in a band. If they think you're a musician, you know what I mean? Like all mm-hmm. you do is like put in your name and discogs pretty much, you know, if, if they know that much and they'll find all your bands pretty easily. Yeah. So, um, but um, I guess uh, before we start wrapping up, like, uh, like, what are things that you've like taken from your time, like, and playing in all these hardcore bands that like you, like, carry on like with your daily, you know what I mean, like memories that you carry on with your daily life, or just like lessons that you've learned from hardcore, even. Like, like I, you know, like I, like I was saying before about, um, you know, the the whole, the health fest drama, you know what I mean, accountability. You know, it's, it's, um, I feel like, um, I think it, as time progresses, I think that people, I think are kind of losing their, um, you know, their accountability, like, you know, take responsibility for what you do and what you say, how it affects other people. Um, I feel like, I feel like just nobody cares about that anymore. You know what I mean? It's like, when did everybody become so fucking selfish? You know, what do you, you know, what do you do? How does it, how, how, how does it affect other people? You know, and that's just, you know, that's one thing that I think that I still, I take from all those years, you know, um, you know, because I, I, I wasn't always, and I wasn't always accountable. I, I, I would run my mouth. I'm not going to sit here and lie. I'm not going to say, you know, I, 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 you know, I would run my mouth and I don't know how 
I made it all those years without getting my ass kicked. I really don't, you know what I mean? Because, you know, I had a big mouth and um, that's, you know, I, I, I learned from that, you know, now that I'm, I'm an old, you know, fat, bald guy, you know, with kids and stuff, you know, and um, so, yeah, I mean, that's just one of the lessons that I learned from all that. I don't think anybody wanted to find out if, if you're why your nickname was Bone Jack if they didn't already know about the band, so they probably just left you alone. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, I, you know, the accountability thing's funny because I think about that kind of shit all the time now because, like, especially being a dad now and like looking back on a lot of what you're not what you're referencing, but like similar stuff. Like, I definitely learned in the last few years for my own personal reasons that life is very short. I'm, I'm sure we all have for other reasons, but. Uh, it, it just kind of goes with what you're saying. I think that like if there was a lot of things that were said and done, a lot of us were, it was like a half a lifetime ago too. You know what I mean? We were so young then. Even thinking about like being like what, like 24, 25 makes me think of like, like comparing myself to a teenager now. You know what I mean? Like it's half a life ago for me, you know, you I'm going to be, I'm going to be, I'm going to be 50 in December. So. so, I mean, you think, you know, everything when you're that age, you know what I mean? And, exactly. And even now. I'm fucking 41 and I think I know everything and I know I don't like my fucking four-year-old son teaches me stuff all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. I forget, I forget what he told me today, but I was like, I never even, it's just so many things that the kids tell you that you're, you're like, I never even put in that perspective. I never would have thought about it if I hadn't heard it from, from a four-year-old, you know what I mean? And now it's like, it just like certain things just make sense differently, but I totally get what you're saying. And, um, it's, it's like, I think I've learned a lot just from doing this podcast too and talking to different people and getting different people's perspectives on, on certain things because like i mean obviously no one i've interviewed so far for the most part is people i've had beef with but like there's just certain people that i've i've talked to and i've been like i look at them differently after having a conversation like this not not in a bad way either obviously you know what i mean but right so many things that you know you say when you're young or and especially like like I, I think like social media is like the new message boards but like having message boards back then it was like people would just talk so much shit and like playing in a band or like booking shows or running a label, you were basically like a public figure in hardcore. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. and they wanted to fucking throw anybody under the coals when they got the chance on those message boards, you know? And sometimes I was like, just got involved with that shit a little bit too much, you know? So I, I definitely see what you're saying. We all did, man. We all did. You know, I'm glad there's no uh, binders anywhere of all the shit that we said though, hopefully that we know of, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. um, but no, I, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. Um, yeah, I feel like maybe we could have done it like more on volumes and 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 focus more on certain bands or whatever, you know. But um, I'm glad we we're able to do it. And um, is there any any shout outs or plugs or anything you you want to give uh, before we wrap up? Um, not really. <laughs> not really. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You know what I mean? I I I you know I. Uh, I love all the guys and the girl, one girl that girls that I've played with, you know, so um, obviously shout out to all of them. I could sit here. I'd be rattling off names for the next 10 minutes. So, you know, I'm glad you're not giving any real shout outs because that's the thing people always like contact me afterwards about for some reason. They're always like, you know, I forgot to thank this person, that person and that person. And I'm always like, I think they know that you respect them, but you know, I understand for certain, yeah. you know, for certain times it's important to make sure you thank everybody. In a yeah. You know what? If I played in a band with you and, and, and they listen to this, thank you. <laughs> you know, exactly. And that's a, that sounds like a pretty long list too, from, uh, 
our conversation. But like I said, it would take about five minutes to remember all the people <laughs> I've played with. Yeah. Yeah. 